0: From Ted Bundy to the Green River Killer, Washington State has earned a dark and not entirely welcome reputation of churning out some of America's most notorious serial killers. But there's one more name we need to add to that list. Robert Lee Yates. He was a family man with five kids, a real father of the year type. The kind of guy that you'd give your house key over to for safekeeping. He was also one of the most depraved individuals to ever roam the streets of Spokane, Washington. But you'd never know it to look at him. (music) Hi, thanks for watching True Crime Recaps. I'm Amy. This is where you're going to get all the crime in half the time, so... You can get a recap in and get back to work before your boss starts to get that look on her face. But before you go, it would mean a lot if you would give this a like and subscribe so you never miss a recap. And with that, let's go to Spokane. It's a busy little city about four hours east of Seattle. And fun fact, the town I grew up in. So picture the Yates family in 1999. You got mom, Linda, dad, Robert. He's a retired 47-year-old army pilot. Five kids, four girls, and a boy. They're all gathered in the backyard of their upper middle-class home. Dad's firing up the grill. There's plenty of lemonade and you can smell the grilled burgers from two streets away. But There's something sinister hiding behind Robert's grin. He's hoping that the kids don't start digging around the backyard, because if they do, they might uncover the body of Melody Murphan, one of 13 women that he's killed, and she's buried right underneath their bedroom window. So how did he fool everyone around him into thinking he's some kind of nice guy? After all, as one FBI agent put it, people don't wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I'm going to be a serial killer. I mean, that kind of thing usually comes with a checklist. Abusive parents, animal cruelty, antisocial behavior. But Robert might be the exception, the monster who broke the mold. The guy that did wake up one day and say, yeah, I think I'm going to be a serial killer. He grew up in Oak Harbor, a small city on Whidbey Island off the west coast of Washington state. Back then, it was one of the safest places in the state. It still is. These days, people fork over a million bucks or more to call it home. And even as a kid, Robert was too good to be true. As his uncle said, If I raised kids, I'd like them to come up as good as him. He never even used profanity. I mean, you'd think you were talking to a professor. But for all of his good qualities, he was awfully forgettable. Classmates don't remember him. And if they do, it was usually something like, oh, yeah, that quiet kid. Well, that was Robert in Oak Harbor. And you know what they say? It's the quiet ones you have to look out for. So after graduation, Robert went pre-med at Walla Walla University. That's a seventh-day Adventist school in Walla Walla, Washington, which is on the other side of the state. It's about two hours south of Spokane. In 1974, he married his second wife, a woman named Linda Brewer. Med school didn't work out, so Linda's father got Robert a job as a prison guard at the Walla Walla State Pen. It's a maximum security prison. Not long after he started working there, two college students were found dead near a popular local swimming hole. Oh, Patrick Oliver and Susan Savage were having a picnic in the woods when Robert, who was 23 at the time, stumbled upon them. He was doing a little target practice nearby before he decided to shoot humans instead of tin cans. Later, his army buddies would call him patient and methodical, and that is the way he killed. Bullet wounds on their arms show that they tried to defend themselves, but he never stopped firing. He dragged their bodies 30 yards across the river and hid them under an old tire and some brush. But back in 1975, police had no idea why they were killed. Rumors about what happened got crazier by the day. Interpol got involved at one point since Patrick had recently traveled to Europe and the crime scene evidence was preserved for 25 years, including Pat and Susan's bloody sleeping bags, the bullets, and picnic stuff. Every year, new recruits would comb through the case file just in case they missed something. Robert moved his family out of Walla Walla shortly after the swimming hole killings. He joined the army at 25. Over the next 18 years, he earned himself a dozen medals, two ribbons, and a badge, mostly for being such a nice guy. I mean, even in the army, Robert played the role of good citizen better than anyone else. But by 1996... It was time for a change. He was about a year away from retiring with full benefits when he took a special deal to walk away from the army early with just about half of his normal salary. The mid to late 90s saw an uptick in dead sex workers in Spokane. Rumors swirled about a serial killer on the loose, but nothing was official until 1997 when police found seven bodies between August and December. On August 26, police found 20-year-old Heather Hernandez and 16-year-old Jennifer Joseph. Jennifer was the third dead sex worker since June of 96, and police pieced together a pattern between her and the others. They'd all be picked up for sexual favors and then killed shortly after by a gunshot wound to the head. Their killer then dumped the bodies miles away with plastic shopping bags over their heads. They caught a break in Jen's case after witnesses saw her getting into a white Corvette on East Sprague, which is a well-known street for sex work in Spokane or at least it used to be. A state trooper later pulled Robert over in his white Corvette, but let him off with a warning and he continued on his murderous way. In November, police found the body of 29-year-old Darla Scott buried near a luxury golf course south of the city. A few weeks later, he was pulled over two miles away for speeding in his white Corvette, but he got off with a warning. By mid-December, they'd find the body of 36-year-old Sean Johnson buried close to where they found Darla. The golf course seemed to be his new favorite dumping spot, but he soon expanded his comfort zone. Police found three more bodies in December. 24-year-old Melinda Mercer turned up in a field south of Tacoma, that's about 300 miles west. And the day after Christmas, they found 39-year-old Sean McClenahan and 31-year-old Lori Wasson in a field east of the city. Four more bodies turned up in Spokane between... February and October, 1998. Sunny Oster, a 41-year-old mother of two, she was in Spokane for drug treatment and her body was found on February 8th, south of the city. Linda Maben was found on April Fool's Day in the field where two other victims were found the winter before. And Micheline Durning was found dead on July 7th, northeast of the city. And 35-year-old Connie Ellis was found south of Tacoma in October. In May of 1998, Robert sold his prized Corvette. It was getting too hot. The police were looking for it and they'd already stopped him twice. Besides, his van seemed to be better suited for picking up and murdering sex workers. One lucky woman, 32-year-old Christine Smith, was fortunate enough to survive a night with Robert in August 1998. She was working near a beauty supply shop when Robert pulled up in his van. Now, she knew some guy was driving around killing sex workers, so she asked him straight up, are you a psycho killer? And he assured her that he was not. He said he had like five kids and he would never do such a thing. He told her he had 40 bucks burning a hole in his pocket and he was looking for oral sex, so she agreed. She got into the back of his van and he had like a whole bed situation set up, but he couldn't, you know, perform. Christine felt something hit her head so hard that she almost passed out. By some miracle, she crawled out the front door and escaped. Doctors stitched her up at the hospital thinking she'd been hit by something or maybe it was a knife wound during a robbery. Well, police began circling Robert in November 1998 after pulling him over again. This time, they found him with the woman of the night in the passenger seat, and he said it wasn't what it looked like. She was his friend's daughter. He was only driving her home. So they asked him to give a DNA sample, but he refused, saying it was A lot to ask of an upstanding family man like himself. Two days later, his 19 year old daughter showed up at the police station. She said that Robert was constantly hitting her, accusations that he denied, but he did admit to grabbing her arm and lightly slapping her face when she was disrespectful. Police charged him with misdemeanor assault, but that was the least of his worries. The task force working the case was slowly but surely making their way through a list of Corvette owners when they called Robert down to the station in September 1999. Detectives remember him sweating a lot, but he stood by his original story. He never had picked up, never would pick up a sex worker. He was married 25, seven plus years. He had all these kids. Of course, he wouldn't do something like that. And P.S., the girl that he was driving around that day was his friend's daughter. But he couldn't remember this friend's name, which is odd for someone willing to escort their daughter around. So police followed up with the friend's daughter, and she said that Robert paid her 20 bucks for oral sex. So he was circling the drain by the year 2000. In January, the task force tracked down his old Corvette and they pulled carpet fibers for testing. They were a match to those found on 16 year old Jennifer Joseph's shoes and a towel left near her body. And when they searched the Corvette again, they found a button from her jacket. And they also found her blood on the seat and the seatbelt, which must've been one heck of a surprise for the car's new owner. By mid-April, they had matched his fingerprints to prints found on the plastic bags that he always tied around his victims' heads. And the police later thought that he was doing that not as some kind of weird serial killer thing, but just to, like, keep the blood contained. They arrested him as he was pulling into work at the Kaiser Aluminum factory in his Honda Civic with a bumper sticker that said, Why must I be surrounded by freaking idiots? After he was arrested, they got his DNA. That one swap connected him to the 12 other girls between 1996 and 1998. And meanwhile, his wife took the kids and holed up in a motel to avoid the press. And when they asked, hey, did you know that your husband was a serial killer? She could only shake her head. At worst, she wondered if he was having an affair because she had caught him burning credit card statements. And once she said he came home late with blood in the back of his van, but he told her he was taking a hurt dog to the vet. And I mean, he's such a stand-up guy, why wouldn't she believe him? But you remember the girl that got away, Christine Smith? Well, she came back into the picture when she got into a car accident in March of 2000. While she was getting x-rays, her doctors noticed there were bullet fragments lodged in her skull. But Robert didn't hit her that night in 1998. He tried to kill her. The bullet only grazed her head. Doctors removed the fragments and detectives compared them to a 25 caliber bullet found in Robert's van. The same caliber used to kill seven other women, and it was a match. To avoid the death penalty, Robert pled guilty to 11 of the 13 murders. He also drew a map leading police to the body of Melody Murphy, who had been buried all that time under his bedroom window. And his arrest and confession also closed the case on the swimming hole murders from 1975. The German police were like, hey... I think you might be a suspect in about 26 unsolved murders we have from between 1980 and 84 and 88 and 91, which were two of Robert's tours of duty over there. Anywhere he was stationed in the States and other countries, now he's a person of interest in any unsolved murders. In all, 30 different police agencies were looking at him as a suspect. In the end, he was sentenced to 408 years in prison, and he ended up back where he started at the Walla Walla State Prison alongside the Green River Killer, who weirdly police thought originally might have been the man behind Robert's crime. So those two must have a lot to talk about in the yard. And as of 2022, he's still there and kicking at 70 something years old. And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, go ahead and tap that subscribe button so you never miss a story. But don't go away. Catch up on more recaps right here, right now. Until next time, take care.